come with us. Into the wild wood. And find the magic within. Welcome, fellow travelers, into the Wildwood. This is a pagan podcast with your hosts, Rev Kai and myself, Lee or Red Oak. Hello, hey, hello. Everybody around the world, good now time. Um, let's see, we have Yolandi, God King Cthulhu, Popmees, Richard, and Luna in the chat. Thanks for joining us. Welcome, welcome. Glad to have some people with us today. Yeah. And you know what to do, all the usual stuff. Give us a thumbs up. Um, if you can share, get other people on, on the chat and in the comments. Um, and check out the link in the description for the link tree and join us on Discord. And the chat's there. All right. So today we are doing geomancy. Now, if anybody is starting a new system, starting to learn a new system, I'm totally there with you. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a divinatory system that has completely eluded me over the years. I've obviously come across it throughout the years, uh, but it's just been like a mention of it. Like in Mastering Witchcraft, Paul, Paul Hewson, he mentions it. He says, mm -hmm. you know, you do this and this, but all it really does is um, these are the 16 figures and you put them into a table and these are the keywords and that's it. Um, so very brief. Um, uh -huh. There's not much information. And also the Golden Dawn book on geomancy is just not much there. And these it's, are the sources I keep coming across. Yeah. Well, I think the Golden Dawn book really did geomancy a disservice. Mm. Uh, because geomancy, is, uh, most of the sources are in Arabic. And there's also uh, the Ramal something, word I absolutely can't remember. Because uh, it's sometimes just called Ramal divination in India. Mm. Um, and that's geomancy, too. Um, you know, it, it's four binary um, points that define 16 possible figures and and so on. And then, you know, we don't really know where geomancy came from, but I think a lot of people have a fairly good idea that it came from um, sub-Saharan and South Africa. because. Mm geomantic divination is everywhere through there we don't have any evidence we don't have a something we can point to it just shows up suddenly as a fully fledged system um in uh, persia so you know it didn't just spring into life as a fully fledged system it probably came from africa and there's evidence for it throughout mm. northern and central africa too so but, I mean, it seems to be really strong in Sub-Saharan and South Africa. But, you know, the, the first boom, um, movement of geomancy into English that really was prominent was the Golden Dawn material. And I think it really, mm. it doesn't read it well. It, it's hard to understand. 
it's a bunch of different translations. It doesn't seem like a cohesive system. You know, it's it. I think it really did a disservice because geomancy is one of those divinations that I recommend to people all the time. It's simple. It's direct. It's elegant. It can get very complex and really provide some some astonishing answers and interpretations. But um, most people go for tarot. And mm. if you're not a visual person, you know, if you're not seeing the the symbols come alive in the tarot, it's not easy. Mm. And I think in that case, geomancy is that other door to go to. If tarot doesn't already speak to you through that visual art medium, geomancy will probably give you the answers and, and give you a reliable divination system that you can rely on and return to again and again. And it works on, on any complexity level, the very, very simple where you just do the math and you get an answer. Yep. Ta-da. That's it. End of process, you know, or you can go back and, and, and read that in different ways and get more information you can turn it into an orrery chart. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of connection in the Arabic sources of um, this being orrery astrology, mm. which I think is really interesting. Um, but, but anyways, I've gone off on various tangents down rabbit holes. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I find this absolutely fascinating. I mean, this, of all the divination systems, like I was telling you um, before the show now is, this is the one that really, really speaks to me, but it's eluded me completely. And now I've gone from like A to Z in a in a heartbeat. Because <laughs> <laughs> I read I read John Michael's Greer book, and I'm I'm I am totally and utterly absolutely blown away. Um, I mean the, the the detail you can get detail you can get into you can you know you can um, divine names you can. Um, go down into specific time zones or slots, you know, that down to like five weeks, down to 15 or 15 months, and then we get down even further. Um, I mean, this is an entire magical system. It's not just divination. You start with the divination to find out way, what direction you should take, but then you can create a talisman um, to do the magic, which revolves around the whole mm -hmm. geomantic method. And then there's also, I mean, Michael Greer also, goes into um, divining your, um, your the name of your personal um, genius, your yeah. guardian angel or personal diamond, etc. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. It, it's wonderful. And the parallels to astrology are yeah. there all along. But I think, um, especially with modern astrology and you know, people want to know, is the sidereal or the tropical better and all of this stuff that I think is a block to people coming in early on in astrology. Geomancy mm. doesn't have all that because um, it's simple. It's direct. It's right, right to the point, right down the line. Follow this procedure. Step one, two, three, four, five, six. Every time, follow the procedure, follow the procedure, you know, and, and it's a very uh, mathematical kind of trance system, but it's also really firmly, firmly rooted in elemental understanding and al alchemical understanding. 
Mm. You know, these figures are built out of the four elements and how they relate to one another tells stories about how the elements relate to one another and how the elements are moving through the question and understanding that. And if you have a good grounding in Western Hermeticism or alchemy, um, there, there's all your background understanding already done. <laughs> you know, yeah. you already know the elements. You already, you know, uh, understand fire goes on top, earth goes on bottom, and why they are arranged that way and what their alchemical relationships are and everything else. So the figures and the interpretation and all of that body of lore that is behind that, you don't have to learn that at the same time as learning a divination system. Hmm. I'd actually say this is probably a good um, starting point or jumping off point for anybody who does want to go into astrology, um, because you, oh, yeah. you get into the into the houses and you understand what the houses mean and how they re represent it and everything else and the planetary forces, etc., etc. And then you know, be easier to develop from there. Give you a starting point. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I usually recommend people start with orary astrology, um, mm. which that's what the astrology side of geomancy is. Ask a question, cast a chart, interpret the chart. Mm. Um, because in orary astrology, you really have to know your stuff. You, you really have to know the math behind it and the symbolism and that sort of thing. And then you can go on to natal astrology which changes things. Natal astrology is a little bit different. Stuff works a little bit differently because it's a person who lives a long time with this chart and it moves and it changes and everything else. But mm. um, I don't know that I would say geomancy is the place to learn astrology No, because you will miss out. Stone. No. no. Um, no. Because one of the the things that's not in geomancy that is in astrology is the conditions of the real world. Mercury cannot be more than uh, 28 degrees away from the sun. Venus can never be more than 48 degrees away from the sun. Anytime any of the outer planets are, are past Earth are opposite the sun, they are retrograde. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, that is really important to know in understanding astrology. None of that's in geomancy. Yeah. And it's it's one of those foundational pieces that you won't learn the interpretations correctly if you don't learn that from the ground up. Mm. So, um, but that doesn't mean that studying geomancy first will totally fuck you over. You just have to be aware of there's this piece that's not there mm -hmm. that is in astrology. But I honestly think learning orary astrology first will make you a better geomancer. Because yeah. you'll already know how to read the <clears throat> astrological chart, which is, I don't know, when I first learned geomancy, I didn't learn any of the astrological parts of it. Nothing. Mm. Just, the, just the figures in the shield chart and that sort of thing. And then I put it down for quite some time and um, picked up astrology again, learned astrology, ended up coming back to geomancy and found all of the astrology stuff that went with it, you know, that piece of things. And it confused the shit out of me because mm. it didn't make sense to my understanding of astrology. But I was pretty early on in my astrological studies and maybe like five years in and sorting through the morass of modern and ancient and 
and that sort of thing. And then along came Project Hindsight and all of the translations on the ancient sources. And I actually learned like traditional astrology. And then I came back to geomancy and it was much, much more clear, much easier to understand. So um, if you want to combine geomancy and astrological studies, <clears throat> study traditional astrology, not modern, because mm. it won't make sense. Um, mm. And geomancy is before in time period, most of the Renaissance astrology, but it's pretty close. And that's where orrery astrology really blooms forward in the Western tradition. And there's lots of material to study. So by traditional, I don't necessarily mean Hellenistic, although that's a great foundation to inform medieval and Renaissance astrology. But that medieval Renaissance period is really in parallel to geomancy and the way the figures are used and the understanding. Yeah, so it definitely seems like it was the Renaissance medieval period where geomancy actually came out of. Obviously, it was long before then, but that's where it's, I think it became um, more known publicly, I suppose. Well, in the Western English-speaking yeah. world. Yeah. and Because uh, it was definitely well used throughout uh, the Persian Empire and... Um, throughout the various cultures in India, there was a lot going on there with geomancy. And that's after it most likely came from Africa and was being used by the hundreds of cultures uh, throughout Africa. And there, I mean, they had quite an extensive trading network and the development of cultures was, there was a lot of cultural interchange going on, mm. which is always, you know, you, you put diviners together no matter what their culture is and within 10 minutes they're like well how do you get it to do this well does this happen when you do this i mean <laughs> you know because it's it's a it's a technology for understanding the universe divination very much is mm -hmm. and so you know the people that are using it they always want to tinker and and figure out what works and what doesn't and what other people do so divination and magic to almost the same extent um, tends to be one of those high points of cultural exchange because it doesn't matter if you speak the same language even. You'll figure mm. out how to communicate about these universal human experiences. Okay. Uh, so look, Schrodinger's cats is here and Craig has joined us. Hello, hello. Welcome. Hello. <clears throat> so um, anybody got any questions about geomancy? Yeah. Does anybody... Uh, practice geomancy is this the first time you've heard of this do you know what we're talking about <laughs> yeah, do you not have a clue what's going on if you don't let us know and uh we'll explain it a bit more um i think one of one of the things that really confused me was why it's called geomancy and um, geo speaks of earth um i mean apart from the original uh, way of doing it where you tap into the sand um i think was in a, in Arabia or something it was called science of the sand or something like that. Um, yeah, it was also big. Yeah, it's also been called earth divination. But I mean, earth divination. Yeah, I mean, if we look at the shield, okay, that's one thing. But when we start bringing it into the houses, the astrological houses, then it it kind of feels like it goes more planetary rather than um, yeah. geo geo based. Um, and that's that's but kind of where. The divide kind of hit me a bit. But planetary and astrology is very, very Earth-based because True. it's very much tied to the point of observation. Mm. Um, 
only, I mean, much, much later do we have um, evidence of, of widely practiced heliocentric astrology that is not Earth-based. Earth is, you know, in relation to the sun. The sun becomes the center of the chart. Uh, but, I mean, I know that's something most people don't think about with astrology because you think of watching the sky and it's always up and out and everything else, but it's it's all about what up and out and out there does right here because you move that somewhere else on the globe and it's different mm. so it is a very very earth focused kind of thing but yeah i think geomancy is kind of a weird term for it these days it it doesn't relate i think and this is this is all speculative upg with very sketchy sources just be clear <laughs> um i think there's more to it I think it's from a much richer system that mm. understood spatial relations, sacred geometry kind of stuff that we call it now. And, um, you know, those same kinds of things that astrology seeks to understand, which is why they got blended so well, is that there are these archetypal forces and they kind of roll in waves across the earth and the time and place of the start of something, you can map those waves somehow. You can capture those energies. And that time and place, uh, the universe is holographic. So the birth of something contains the resolution of it. It contains the whole story. So I think this divination system spread, one, because it's easy. It, it doesn't take the... Um, the math and the resources that astrology does because for early astrology somebody had to sit up every night and write down what happened yeah that's yeah. how astrology started you know <clears throat> and they had ziggurats great big you know towers for astrologers to go sit in as they take the night shift so they can watch everything and be up above and they recorded this for hundreds and hundreds of years before they started correlating things and being like this this the, you know this means this but geomancy doesn't require that it's you and the earth in the time and the place mm. and yeah i i think the astrological symbol set was added later because they're really reading the same thing they're just going at it from different ways you know this is this is something you can do with a stick in the sand <laughs> you can sit in the dirt with a stick and successfully do geomancy. And in fact, I think it's probably more successful than the coins and the dice and the sticks and the everything else, because it's, you're sitting on the earth, you're really tuning in, you know, and it has that um, trance state process. I, I would argue that I Ching is a geomantic form of divination. It's just in base six instead of base four, mm. you know, or three instead of two. But the process of sorting the Yarrow stocks, it's a whole, whole, um, oh, what's the word when you re reduce something down? I don't know, refinement, refinement mm -hmm. process um, that arrives at an answer, but also puts you in a receptive trance state. You know, mm -hmm. the process of the divination is the magical act itself that moves you into that trance state so that by the time you get to the figure representing the answer you're in the right mind frame to interpret it 
and, and include the intuitive part that is necessary in divination. Yeah. I think the um, one part that Gria focuses on it on quite a bit is um, and this kind of spoke to me in terms of it being, being geo earth based and etc is he speaks about going from the animus mundi to the spiritus mundi to the corpus mundi and mm. so every, everything kind of starts in that pure consciousness comes through to pure energy and then comes through to man manifests into the body and that that corpus mundi the the body of the world is earth it's you know the planet it's physical matter um mm -hmm. so that that kind of um explained it a bit bit more to me i think and, and when you generate figures you know you always generate figures top to bottom fire air water earth mm. always mm. end it yeah, yeah i think the the connection to earth is one of those kind of mysteries that we'll discover i see more and more people talking about geomancy i see more and more people picking it up and adopting it um when i first heard of it there was like the golden dawn source and then everything else was in arabic mm. everything else was in arabic and if you didn't already speak and read arabic that was probably close to you for learning anything about this and now we have like John Michael Greer's two books and there's some other books out there. Um, I've got a YouTube playlist of people doing geomancy and talking about geomancy. Um, uh, Stephen Skinner, uh, he teaches classes in geomancy regularly. So, you know, there's a lot more out there. It's a lot more accessible in the Western world. And, you know, as cross-pollination does, um, people going out and, and searching this out, I think it's brought back the revival of the interest in the Arabic world and um, in uh, all of the, the Indian forms of divination, it's becoming more recognized that, hey, this is all connected, this is all similar. Mm. There, I mean, there were obviously some books around in well, the Renaissance period even. Um, actually, there was one book mentioned in Greer's book, I've forgotten the name of it now, um, but I actually found it and picked it up. It was... Um, published in 1684 um mm -hmm. and it's you know it's, it's in english um but it's it's still got the old you know the old s that looked like an f um, it's the geomancy of master christopher caston gentlemen <laughs> this other one <laughs> yep yep <laughs> uh, theo major or something mm. yeah i think that's what he he calls it no. The Theomania. I, I love those old Renaissance books like that and, and reading that Amazing. early modern English. It's not old English, it's early modern, but it's mm. it's so entertaining. But yeah, yeah, there's 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 bits and pieces here and there, but you know Difficult but it's find. much more accessible now. Just like so many more astrological texts are, are suddenly accessible uh since the two thousands. It's just mm. amazing what has exploded all you youngins that weren't around in the, the 20th century you don't know what we struggled with <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding but we didn't have, we didn't have any of the sources that are available now there's yeah. a lot more stuff around in the dark <laughs> 
Let's have a look. Richard said, uh, first time hearing about it, so curious about how it can be used in different ways. Uh, Schrodinger's catch. I'm very ignorant about this topic. Pamela's here. Hello, Pamela. Good evening, all. And Richard said, I was just about to ask about the I Ching, and then you mentioned it, Revkai. Yeah, it is very oh, similar to I Ching. It is very similar. And speaking of I Ching, I want to say that Benabel Wynn has released, it's finally out, her new book on the I Ching. And it's, a, <laughs> it's huge, like That's holistic. A big curve. Book. <laughs> yeah, but it's a hardback. Mm. And. Oh, it's really nice quality. I mean, physically comes with a, a ribbon bookmark and everything, but the material is just, it's absolutely blowing me away. I mean, everything you could ever want to know explained so clearly, so wonderfully. I, I love Ben Bellin's work. Her holistic tarot is, is an amazing reference book and her eaching book looks to be the same, an amazing mm. reference book. So if you're interested in that, pick up her book. Really wonderful. Really wonderful. All right. So, and yeah. Sorry. Carry while on. we're talking about books, we should say that the John Michael Greer book we keep referencing is The Art and Practice of Geomancy. Mm -hmm. That's the name of the book. Really good intro book if you want to learn geomancy. It can be the only book you need. You can get that book and you can start practicing. Absolutely. Yeah. He has another book that was earlier called Earth Divination which is also good, but the, the art and practice of geomancy has more in it. It's, um, he wrote it, yeah, what did we figure out, 10 years later? 10 years later. Yeah, and it's a much, um, much better, I, I think, concise delineation of just, here's how you do this. Have this book in hand. Do divination. Mm. Um, oh, fossilized tree saps here. Hello. Um, said I've been feeling a bit better about approaching 40 since our com conversation the other day, but man, being reminded that there are more and more people who've never lived without easy, easy internet access. Rest in peace, me. Uh, thanks uh, for the reminder. I'm one step closer to the grave. Don't worry, uh, it gets better. Big, yeah, one step uh, further in the process of knowledge. Mm. To be old is an enviable position because you've lived. And you're close to that point where you're going to feel yourself go over the hill. Um, <laughs> yeah, once it's you feel just that, after 40. <laughs> yeah, just after, mine was 42. So mine was when, 42 also, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, it's actually a feeling you get. You feel it. Yeah, a feeling. Now, now things are rolling down the hill. <laughs> Body <great>. parts are dropping. <laughs> <laughs> but... But 42 is is the Uranus opposition. Uranus takes 84 years to go around oh, the chart. Okay. 42, astrologically speaking, is considered midlife. And mm -hmm. a lot of people do have a midlife crisis when Uranus opposes Uranus in their chart. And they kind of like freak out. And mm -hmm. if you haven't explored the themes of Uranus by then, freedom, independence, uh, what it means to break the mold, um, how upset and change and disruption are actually a fertilizing force, you will do it at 42. Mm. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't figured it out by then, when Uranus gets opposite Uranus, you now is the time for the lesson. This is it. This is the line. So as I always tell people with astrology, you can, you can do it in your own time, but there is a deadline. 
And at the time of the deadline, you will be drugged right through boot camp. And if you didn't do your homework, <laughs> it's going to be an experience. <laughs> but anyways, geomancy. Yeah. Geomancy. Yeah, I think Greer's book I'm going to be going over and over and over again um, for a while. I don't actually want to touch another book until I've learned the system properly. Because uh, really, it's opened my eyes up to a whole lot. I mean, as I said, I was just bits and pieces here and there that kind of just mentioned it and the keywords that are involved. And it didn't explain anything, so I just passed it by. But Greer's book is really, it's just really blown me away. Um, so, yeah. So here's a shield chart, and I have shared these PDFs in the Discord. And what we're doing when we do geomancy, I don't know which side's which, four of these are mothers. <laughs> we'll call these mothers because you probably can't read it. And you generate four figures of four lines. And then from those four, everything else is mathematically calculated until you get down to the judge, which is your answer. So this is a... Um, it's a math system. It's a, it's a refinement system. And then if you want, you can go past that and put all these figures. There's, there's math for how you put them into the astrological chart. There's also, I learned the astrology part, which is probably why I didn't really like get into geomancy at the time, because the astrology chart method was introduced to me without the shield. Just mm -hmm. here's your four mothers, and you place them in the angular houses, and then you have to remember your your trines and your overcoming to figure out which ones make which one by trine. Ah, not an easy method, very confusing. But mm -hmm. um, the figures, there's only 16 possibilities, and so, you know, you do the math and you generate these figures. Mm -hmm. And then from those, yeah, not, but like I said, I put these in the um, Discord, so if you mm. want to look at them. And I didn't generate these. I got these long ago from a Dropbox share from someone who was nice enough to generate these charts because she was into Geomancy, and there's no credit on the PDF, so mm. I don't remember don't know where they came from. That. Nope. I, I'm, I wish the, I wish there was credit on the, the PDFs, but this was back in the day when that wasn't a common thing. Mm. So. Yeah. And I, I like the simplicity of it because I mean, the, you start with the four mothers. So the original way is to tap dots in the sand with a stick and you create, um, you create a, you create a line of dots and then you create another line of dots and you do four of those. And then you add up the dots and you get an odd or an even. Odd is one, one dot, and an even number is two dots. And then you put that on on the chart and you go down to four. And then you do that four times, so you get your four mothers. And then all you do is you start, yeah, there you go. And then that's, that's, that's very much the method that Paul Houston actually mentions us with, uh, with yep, those. There, I can help like that. And you get a little figure. Yeah, there we go. That our odds are evens. You got a, a, a even odd, even odd there. Yep. Yeah. I'm trying, trying very carefully not to drop because <laughs> I don't usually do this in the air. 
um, and then you just you, you start adding up the dots and you get your daughters and then you get your nieces and then you write and left judge or write and left witness and then you judge and you just so you add them all up but you only start with those four figures to begin with and it just goes through and it, it, it's so simple and then you interpret it obviously yeah then you interpret it is really really simple um i do enjoy something that generates larger numbers in the beginning because there's a lot of different ways to generate evens and odds you um these sticks i made myself and they just have two on one side and and one on the other and one way i've seen is just grab four sticks and drop them that's mm. how they land you know another way is with dice um some people even use uh colored dice to represent each of the elemental lines because it's always fire air water earth the alchemical order um some people will use like four dice all together and you roll them and that's like the dots on your first line you know mm. those numbers um i've also seen a suggestion of using the platonic solids for each element because if you go by your standard dnd set of five dice you'll get five platonic solids and mm. four of those correspond to the elements and you roll those dice which i think is interesting mm. um and then there's using, a coin yeah, i've been using playing cards playing cards um mm. so you you determine the red and the black or you take the numbers I've also yeah. seen some people will feel like five playing cards and add up the numbers and that's their line or four. Mm. Um, um, there's also um, one I really liked for quite some time is reaching into a bag of beans or seeds and mm. grabbing a handful and dropping them and then counting. Um, takes a while to count, count them because the, you know, the smaller your seeds, the more you're going to get in a handful but it's meditative and I enjoy counting up little things and putting them in piles. It's already an enjoyable activity. If you're one of those kind of people <laughs> like mm. organizing little things, I highly recommend the little beans. Um, so there's, there's tons and tons of ways to generate your original figures. Um, and if you already have a, a method that works for you and you want to build on that, go for that. Or, you know, try out several different things and see what works. I've even seen some people generate each line in a different manner. For fire, they use the beans. For air, they use dice. For uh, water, they use cards or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and, of course, there's a cordial of symbolic meaning. I was just making things up. Hmm. But um, so, so many ways to do this. And it's so accessible. Mm. So easily accessible. Yeah. Um, let's just go over here. Craig said, I'm well past 42. Yeah, so are we, don't worry. Um, <laughs> Solemn Sun joining late. Hello, hello. Glad you're here at least. Uh, Craig said, I use four carry shells, uh, which is calling a beer. Um, it's very similar to your four sticks. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. there's probably a, a lot of different systems out there that are very similar, as we said, each chain carry shells. Yeah, Obea and Aoife, oh. I would definitely say, are both uh, geomantic divination methods. Um, probably contain the same roots as this form of geomancy. 
Mm. They're, they're really similar processes and underlying similar ideas about what's going on, what's happening here. Yeah. Uh, fossilized tree saps at uh, ACA, sorry, ADHD, tiny things counting. Um, this, this helps with headspace shifting occasionally, even when I'm not intending it. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll put me in a trance. And it's a happy, pleasant trance for me. So I really do enjoy it. Because um, when I first learned this, I was rolling dice to generate my figures. That's how I'd been taught. And frankly, it didn't connect with me. Mm. You know, I really wasn't getting much out of it. I wasn't regularly getting into that needed trance state. I, I wasn't receiving any of the intuitive uh, process that happens in divination when you you eventually get to that trance state. So um, finding other methods and trying other methods, I think, is important. Find one that works, and there's a lot of options here. Mm -hmm. And what worked for me was handfuls of seeds. Um, felt very intuitive and felt a lot like uh, when I went to have EFA consultations. You know, it, it, it gave me the similar atmosphere and the similar feeling in my body. So that was a clue for me that it worked well, but there's lots and lots of options, lots and lots mm. of options. I'm sure um, doing the math correctly, you could count yarrow sticks the same way it's done for I Ching mm. or some other, um, you know, natural medium um, or, or handfuls of pebbles. Um, I had a friend who was definitely one of the, you know, rock crystal persons. That was her thing, what she connected with. And she always had this huge bowl on her coffee table with like, 200 polished stones in it and she could pick out any one of them and tell you this oh this is banded amethyst with quartz inclusions you know <laughs> so on and so forth but um that would be perfect too just you know grab a handful see how many you get kind of thing mm. so there's lots and lots of ways to generate those original mother figures and then when the daughters are born of the mothers, they're born through elemental understanding. All of the fire lines go together and become the first daughter. All of the air lines go together and become the second daughter and so on and so forth. And then as the nieces are developed, they come from the two sides of the story. It's not just the daughters that reflect into the nieces, but it's combination. There's two nieces from the mother and two nieces from the daughters. Mm -hmm. And, and then they form the witnesses. The four nieces are reduced down and they form the witnesses. And then finally, the two witnesses come together and make the judge. And that's your answer. Um, but, you know, the, the first witness also talks about, you know, the Quarant's attitude, agenda, um, and the, the past. And the second witness talks about the future and the emotional side of things, of what the question really means to the querent, how they really feel about it. And then, so you can trace all of these back and find all of these meanings and all of these understandings. The, the, the um, first 12 figures, the mothers, the daughters, and the nieces, that's what will fill out your astrological chart if you're going to turn it into an Ori chart and mm -hmm. read it that way. So... There's so much information in there, but then again, it can be so simple. You can just generate the mother figures and work your way through and end up with the judge and there's your answer and you're done. 
I'm curious. Um, when you do a do a shield, do you go from left to right or right to left? I go left to right. I. Because I'm curious. I, uh, cause, yeah, cause I have Gria, a problem. Right to left, generally yeah. speaking. Because Gria, okay. Gria does it right to left, and I'm wondering if there's yeah. there's some kind of connection to an Arabic, um, you know, Arabic writing or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think because all of the geomantic tradition came into the Western world, the Hermetic world, from the Arabic, mm. writing it um, right to left is just common. Yeah. I mean, that's the way you write. And it's just, it's one of those, that's the way I learned it, so that's the way I do it things. Mm. I don't think it really matters. Mm. Um, so... You know, I just I, I found know. it I found it curious that it was doing you know it was going right to left, um, and it's always talking about a Western system, Renaissance, medieval system, and you know that's always been a left to uh, right format of of writing uh, sentences, etc. So that kind of struck me as a bit odd. Why why it would be right to left, not the other way around? Yeah. Well, I. I think somebody flipping it and making it left to right was an intentional thing to make it more Western. Mm. Make it make sense to the, the Western yeah. Renaissance Probably. European mind. Yeah. I don't know. I, I Like I said, I have a general bias against writing left to right. I'm right-handed. I do write English that way. But um, I, I learned early on of the the original letters in the stars and they go right to left just as the moon grows right to left and highlights them. And, you know, mm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, deep symbolism behind writing either direction because both directions are seen in the sky and both directions have meaning. And so, um, when I do magical stuff, I tend to work right to left uh, mm. because it's it's the moon, it's the night, it's it's the the hidden letters in the sky, it's it's the stars on, on their slow rotation. Whereas um, left to right is that diurnal motion. It's the path of the sun. It's the illuminated. It's the very easily seen, as opposed to the occult. Mm. So I don't know. That's just my thing. Mm. All right, should we uh, go for a top up and a break and uh, come, back, come back with fresh hot chocolate? Fresh hot chocolate and uh, maybe some more questions or uh, people can tell us what they want us to talk about if we're just rambling on and we haven't explained the base system well enough or, or what, what you would like to see. Hmm. Okay, we'll see you just now then. Welcome back to the Wildwood, and today we're talking about geomancy. All right, so Fossil Tree Sap uh, said about right to left writing, I have often had this inclination intuitively, but really didn't think about it until recently. When I work with tarot, the cards usually arrange themselves that way. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it's a, well, I was going to say a left brain, right brain thing, but 
that doesn't exist in that's not real. <laughs> it's not real. Turns out that's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, there was one very interesting thing in Greer's book. Um Gamahe. He talks in the magical aspect, he talks about creating talisman and gamahe. And I've never heard of this word gamahe. He actually he actually mentions that it is not mentioned anywhere. Um, people don't talk about it anymore. But he he creates the distinction between the two as a talisman being um, a figure, um, like you would create like a puppet, and then mm -hmm. putting the various symbols on the actual figure itself. So it becomes like a statue. Whereas the gamahe is what we or often consider more to be the talisman, which is just a a disc or a piece of paper or something with the symbols drawn onto it. And then they can be folded yeah. up and put in your wallet or et cetera, et cetera. Um, I thought that was quite interesting because I've never heard that before. Yeah, that is interesting. I don't remember from reading that, but it's been it's been many years since I read this book. Mm. But hmm. I do know um, some people... Heavy, heavily rely on the Kameas of the planets in the process mm. of reading because it's, I mean, it's similar. It's math and numbers and squares and, and planets, you know, and falls in there and they use them like, um, I don't know, doorway talismans. You know, mm. if you're, you're dividing, you want Mercury involved. So, you know, you follow the, numbers that uh come up in the generation of the mothers in order on a mercury kamea as part of the invocation to begin your divining um and then in addition to that if you're asking about love you bring in venus's kamea if you're asking about children you bring in the moon's kamea if you're asking about career you bring in saturn's kamea so on and so forth that sort of thing yeah because there is mention of um Invoking the energy of the various uh, planetary spirits and intelligences and, and things like that. So, uh, in doing the reading and doing the, the magic side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Solomon asked, Eaching is geomancy. Uh, my sensei taught me some time ago, but it was with use of the book as reference to the chapters. Where does the intuitive interpretation come in? Uh, can you really use anything to create geomantic spread? Um, so firstly, is I Ching geomancy? There's a question mark there, so it must be a question. Uh, is it? Um, well, it's, I, mean, it's I think they're very to... similar. When mm. we say geomancy today, it's referring to this specific process um, of generating four mothers and then generating a shield chart and and going through this specific process it's a four by four uh, with the 16 possible figures however when we talk about types of divination there is this type that is typified by geomancy this mathematical reduction process that involves counting and generating figures line by line and in that case I Ching fits over in the same category as this geomancy. And usually that category is called geomancy. And there's a bunch of things that fit under there. Ifa, uh, Obeya, 
uh, many other forms of divination are all that similar kind of process. Mm. So yes and no, it depends on, on what your, um, which point you're talking about. The Western geomancy that we're talking about that involves generating the shield chart and then turning it into an astrological orary chart um, is obviously different with different sources, uh, different lore, different interpretation rules, everything from eaching. But they do share in that core methodology. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not um, well versed in eaching. I was just talking about Benabel Lynn's book. I'm a, I'm having fun reading it. I do not practice eating. I am not that good, um, so I can't talk about where uh, intuition comes into it as far as the eating is concerned. But generally speaking, in divination, my experience is that there are three components. There is the technical aspect of accomplishing the divination, shuffling the cards effectively so that you get a proper randomization. Uh, counting the seeds or the dots, so, and then doing the mathematics of geomancy, uh, using a pendulum with a board effectively, the technique, whatever that is, you have to be able to uh, appropriately accomplish that. Then there's the lore, the body of knowledge that is behind it that allows you to interpret the symbolic language. And then there is the intuitive part. And the intuitive part is usually the putting it together uh, being able to see how the symbol you got here answers the question you asked here. And it's, it's the connecting in context that happens. And I think that's, those three components are there in all divination forms. They might be in, you know, slightly varying amounts. Um, some uh, divination methods require more technical proficiency than others. You know, astrology is pretty far up there on the technical side of, of, making uh, something you can interpret, whereas pendulum is pretty low. There's not a lot of technical involved with, with a pendulum. But there is lore behind all of them, understanding the symbolic language, understanding how this works and what that means, how that applies. You know, are, are we reading stars and their movement means something? Are we talking about um, ley lines in the earth and so the pendulum moving this way or that way has a noticeable lore behind it? And then, you know, taking all of that and turning it into something useful, I think, um, is the intuition part. You, you've mm. got to make it practical. You've got to make it applicable. You've got to translate from symbolism and stuff to actually something that applies to the question that was asked. I think that probably answers most of um, the questions here. Uh, where does the intuitive interpretation come in? And is geomancy more of a framework for interpretation? Um, I think the interpretation would come in when you are um, relating the figure that you got and its meaning to the question that was asked, um, how it relates to it. Um, and then can you really use anything to create a geomantic spread? Yeah, as long as you can, yeah. as long as you can get a, 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 a a single, single or double number of figure at the end of the day. You know, two dots or one dot. Um, you know, how many, how many dots did you tap onto the ground, and do they make an odd or an even number? That's really what you're looking for. And and this is the point of randomization, um, because geomancy fits a randomization um, format of divination. 
there there's randomization there and there's omenology and so you need to generate those original 16 numbers in some way that you're involved because it has to happen through you you have to be the active agent of um capturing you're the camera that takes the picture of the time and the moment and the place that the the question is being asked you have to translate it through you but you can't do it in a, a conscious counting um controlled way if you just count out one two three four one two three four you're not allowing the energies to flow through you and manifest and and that's present in all randomization um processes for divination so you know um whatever whatever method gets you there to generate those numbers in that manner where the energy flows through you and you can be the agent for the physical manifestation but you're not in control of it mm. you know however that works i think that's why i actually like the idea of um you know grabbing a handful of beans or using the um, playing cards or the dice because i've got absolutely no control over that if i was sitting even if I was in a trance and I was sitting with a stick and tapping dots along the ground, I would probably subconsciously be counting them to make sure I get an odd or an even amount. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people that just counts everything also, mm. just internally. I, I'm always counting things. I count the number of steps when I go up and down the stairs. It's mm. probably, I do have diagnosed OCD and that's probably part of it. So you know, uh, marks on a paper or dots in the sand or the dirt. Um, it didn't work for me because I couldn't let go of that control. Yeah. But if you can, by all means, give it a try. Um, you know, hmm. find something that works. Find something that helps get you into that trance state. Yeah. Um, like Craig said, uh, it's just Solomon. Uh, when divining only, you could have thrown the carries or shuffled the cards that way to glean the answers. Yeah. Yep. So yep. Only random. you. You are. Actually, you are the point. The, that's. The that's actually something I, I was wondering about. If you are doing a geometric reading for somebody else, um, I assume that you, they ask a question and you do the dots um uh -huh. rather than the other way around because it does very much like as you said it's a i mean it, it connects with the horary astrology as well so it would be the astrologer doing the charge um yeah yeah well as a professional diviner as someone who divines for other people which let me tell you i much prefer it because divining for myself is a pain in the butt but <laughs> one of the things that happens um and i've talked about this before with divination is the removal of lust for result i can go and ask the universe in a pure way what will happen and i can be open to any result the problem with divining for myself is when you have to ask a question that you're you care about the outcome it has mm. to be serious not it has to be important and if you care about the outcome, you can't remove lust for a result, right? <laughs> you care about the outcome. That's the definition of mm -hmm. what you need to go divine. But when you ask, you can't care about the outcome. 
because mm-hmm. you have to be open to all possibilities. And I think that's why, you know, over the history of humans and cultures and everything else, we always end up with people who are diviners. Not everybody does it for themselves because it's difficult to read for yourself to get that emotional distance. So, um, um, yeah, when in geomantic consultations, I'm the one generating the chart. I'm the one grabbing the beans. I'm the one generating the figures because I'm the one asking. But I'm asking on behalf of my client. Um, it, it is it is the go between the gods, or the the go between, you know, the universe, and and the go between is not they have a privilege that you don't. It's just they're the person that can be the constrictor and the translation point, because whoever's asking, by definition, can't. Mm. And that's why it's great to to have reading buddies and that sort of thing and trade, you know, the questions you really want to ask, you give to somebody else, but then the questions they really want to ask, they give to you to practice on and develop your skills. Mm. Or kind of just double checking as well. So if I do a testing something, um, so I do a reading in Geomancy, I can ask you to check it, tarot or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Luna said, thank God for tarot. Why? <laughs> it, it has the same problem. Uh, yeah. it, that's the fundamental problem of divination. And, and I, the way thousands of cultures have solved it is by somebody else doing the divination and giving the answers. Mm. You know, and, and I do divination for myself, but it's mostly practice because I can't trust it. Hmm. Well, I mean, if I if I mean if I do um, a geomancy reading for my day ahead, and mm-hmm. I get the figure for loss or sorrow, uh, I'm using those because we don't want loss or sorrow. Um, you know, that's kind of like the answer you don't want, but there's nothing I can do about it because there it is. So, yep. you know. I, I, I can't interpret it in a different way that makes it nice because it's just loss or sorrow. <laughs> True. And I think you need to get to the point where you're okay with that. I mean, like spiritual development wise, not divination wise. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to divine for yourself, you have to get to that. Um, you know, the universe goes on as it will. And there are things that I can't change. Fate is only bent by submission to her rules. It's that understanding um, that is necessary in order to successfully perform divination for yourself, because you have to be open to any possibility, any answer. Mm. Yeah. All right. So when it comes to geomancy, what we generate is either the shield charge or uh, Kai shown. Oh, I wanted to say, just show Sonamson the I Ching, I Ching book that you got. Oh, yes. I'm, sh- I'm sure they'll this be interested is... in that. Annabelle Wynn's new I Ching book just finally hit the publishers. Really nice book. Really nice quality. It's a hardback. Go get it. Go read it. It's amazing. <laughs> there we go. Because I don't think Sonamson was here then. Um... Luna said, geomancy sounds like hard work. You can't count without missing out numbers or getting them the wrong way around. 
If you can count to ten, you can do it. Don't worry. <laughs> None of the math in Geovancy is complex. It's one plus one, one plus two, two plus two. That's it. Yeah, and the counting that's, that's at the as far as you go. Yeah. yeah. And you don't even have to do the counting at the beginning if you don't want. You can have um, Geomancy sticks and mm. literally grab four of them and drop them on the ground and there's your figure, you know. Um, mm. But also, if math and numbers and this kind of um, reification process don't speak to you, but Tarot does, which you've talked about, it, it really might not be the thing for you. Mm. Um, you know, I, I kind of make that divide between the very visual mediums of like dream interpretation and tarot and, and omenology and the mathematical kind of reduction refinement methods of divination. And most people feel more comfortable with one or the other. So, mm. uh, but, you know, I feel like people, new pagans, new witches coming into the, the path, they get told you need a divination method, which I agree with. And um, then they're given tarot. And usually that's it. And tarot doesn't work for everybody. You know, it it's a very visual medium. It, it's very much about symbolic images and not everybody connects to that. And I wish what we would do is put tarot and pendulums and geomancy in front of people mm. and make everybody try all of them and then pick one of those three to study as your first divination method. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Solomson asked, would you be able to show a sample reading, a quick run-through? Um, sure, we can do that. Uh, we need a, a meaningful question to consult the gods with. Mm, I've got a question. Something um, that's worth asking. Because I find if it's not, then you're not going to get anything that means anything out of the process. And I will say again that these um, charts that I showed at the beginning and the 16 figures with their interpretations and associations, I've shared in our Discord server. They're in the Divination channel, so you can go check them out. And if I could credit the original person who made them, I would love to, but I don't know who that is because it's not in the PDF. So... Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of a question myself. Uh, didn't come with the questions. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's always the case, isn't it? It's like asking yeah. somebody what you what they want for Christmas, and then they can't remember all of a sudden. Um, do you see growth for personal small businesses? So for small business. Okay. Is that general or your small business? That's what I'm wondering. Oh, it has to be your small business, or I don't think it'll work. I don't think we can read. Yeah. Okay. So I'm saying is that for that for your small business? Yeah, horary astrology, orrery. I can say that word. Everybody mm -hmm. adds an extra syllable, which is how it's commonly said, but it's just orrery and geomancy function on the same uh, question rules. No general readings. That doesn't work. You can't just do an overview of the situation. 
you need to ask a specific question that will have a concrete answer. And yes or no questions are fine. Um, but you can ask slightly more than that also. All right. Um, someone said my small business, my tarot business in particular. All right. Yeah. Um, I usually use these sticks just for laying out the the figures so I can look at them and have a representation for them of the client. But um, well, shall we see if we can divine with them or shall we generate with playing cards? Do you want to generate and I'll do the no. math or what? Can I generate All right. with my playing cards? I'm just going to grab them. We got... Are you doing it? Oh, either way. No, Are you grabbing okay. your cards? You started. So okay. What? Well, I can do one and you can do one and so on and okay. so forth. So for the first mother, we got single, single, double, double, which is the figure something. <laughs> I don't have my figures memorized. I still look at things up in the book, but that's okay. That is Fortuna Minor, a lesser fortune. I think that uh, applies to... A, a single person run business. Okay. Second mother is single, double, single, single. Single, double, single, single. And that figure is Puella, the girl. Harmony, happiness, Venus, favorable, Libra. Okay. Third mother is double, double, single, single, which I think is Fortuna Major, the upturned cup. Yes, Fortuna Major, great success, great fortune. Okay. So Solemn said I am, Solemn Sun said I am a Leave a female for you. There we go. Okay. Single, double, double, double. Single, double, double, double. And that one is Laetitia Joy. Jupiter, Pisces, traditionally favorable. The upturned arrow. Okay. So now that. Camera above. Oh, yeah. Mm. I haven't got it set up, have you? I haven't got it set up, but I could try to get it set up. It wouldn't show up for you. The book. Yeah. See if we can, can anybody see that? See that? My... Later, I can't see the dots. Not really. can't see the dots because I'm writing in pencil. Um, there's my, my scribble notepad. Let me find... Something somewhere. Haha, -ha, there's a pen. There's a pen. There's a pen. <laughs> Go on, do you want this one? Yeah, that one. That'll work great. Thank you. I'll just hand that over. Uh, let me read the comments while you're doing that. Luna said, uh, honestly, spilling entrails on the ground. 
Sounds more appeal more appealing. I have dyscalculia and dyslexia. So if I spelled it wrong, that's why. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. and, uh, Isn't it unfair that dyscalculia and dyslexia are spelled like that? <laughs> <laughs> Should it be like AIM or something really simpler? I have MA, two words, two letters. Okay, okay. Haha, -ha. dots that are visible. So there's the mothers. There's our four mothers. And now what we're going to do is we're going to take the first or the fire line from each one, and that'll generate our first daughter. And then we're going to go and take the air line. That's the second line from the top. Bump, bump, bump. So that'll be single, double, double, double. And that'll generate our second daughter. And then third line, third daughter, fourth line, fourth daughter. So math time, math time. So the fire daughter goes single, double, double, single, single. I said double too many times. Um, nope, I did that wrong. Now I need white out. Are you still there? Nope, your internet has frozen. Oh no. Okay, well, Lee's internet connection has dropped for a moment, but hopefully he'll be back anytime now. So, in the meantime, this is a terrible way to do this, but I have generated the four daughters from the four mothers. So this is just the process of refinement and reduction that's happening. So I took the first line, and I'm going the wrong way, aren't I? I see here. Here are the mothers with the wavy lines around them. I took the first line, single, single, double, single, and that became that daughter, and so on and so forth. Oh, looks like Lee's back. Let me just switch over to that screen. Okay, okay, we're all back now. I got the hi. Hi. I got the daughters generated. Right. Oh. I'm generating the nieces. Now the nieces are generated by adding. The daughters are just generated by reading the lines and kind of rearranging them. But then we get into adding and all we're adding is um the top line of mother 1 and mother 2 which in this case are both singles. So one plus one makes two. So I put two dots. The next line, one plus two makes three. That's odd. So I only put one dot. And then the next line is two plus one. That's three. So I only put one dot because it's odd. And the next one is two plus one. That's three. So I only put one dot. And then to generate the next niece, I add the next two mothers in the same fashion. So the top line is two plus one is three. So that's going to be one dot. Two plus two is four. That's going to be two dots. And so on and so forth. Down the line. For the third niece, I add the first two daughters. This is very complicated. And then for the fourth niece, I add the last two daughters. Two plus two is four. One plus one is two. 
One plus one is two. Two plus two is four. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's the math involved. One plus one. One plus two. Two plus two. And then we just do that again. So on the shield chart, here's the mothers. Here's the daughters. And then they drop down. They just tell you, right? Straight down. These two mothers add to make that. These two mothers add to make that. Now I'm just going to take these four nieces and add these two to make the witness and these two to make that witness. And then we'll add those two witnesses to make the judge and get our answer. Okay. Our final figure is single, double, double, single, which is, is that Carcer? That is Carcer. Solidity, restriction, binding, or imprisonment, or delay. Carcer means prison, Saturn, time, stability, Capricorn, contraction, austerity, 10th and 4th house, traditionally unfavorable. And so the original question, growth for my tarot business. And the quesited house would, of course, be the 10th. And the resulting answer is in the 10th. So while it says restriction and reduction, I should show the whole chart here. We've just added things up, brought it down. It is Saturn in the 10th house. And the question is about the 10th house. So by having the answer indicate the question, that's a good um, sign that we did it right, that we went through the process correctly, that this is a reliable reading, okay? And just because it says carcer, imprisonment, doesn't necessarily mean it's a no. But you did specifically ask about growth, and carcer is specifically about restriction. So in that case, I will put that together and say probably a no. We can look a little bit deeper and look at the uh, fire and the earth, because those are the active lines. The one's the active, the two's the passive. So in Carcer, the fire and the earth are the active lines. So that tells me that the resources um, changing are part of why it's a no, that's the earth line, and the fire or the head, the passion changing is part of the no. Whereas the two lines that are passive, that are not changing, that are stable, um, are the air and the water lines. So the water is generally the emotion and the air is generally the thought or the plan. So it sounds like you have a good plan and you have good emotions about it, but you don't have the resources or uh, the drive. Or sometimes the fire line I also interpret as right time, right place kind of thing. You're just not in that lucky spot. Um, but we can check that by looking at the witnesses and seeing what they say. So the first witness is the rational or the past or the beginning of the question. Um, and that is uh, Fortuna Minor, Lesser Fortune. So that's swiftness, outer strength, success, and unstable success. So that, I would say, the rational pass is you've had some successes here and there, but you haven't had consistent success, unstable success, luck here and there, little bits, so on and so forth. 
And then the unfolding, the second witness, um, the emotional future, that is double single, double single, check out if I, Amicio, loss, passionate energy, force seeking, and sudden change. So it sounds like there is, and it's uh, the second eighth house axis with Venus. Nope, wrong figure. Acquisito. I got the got it upside down. I do that all the time. Gain. Well, that's better. So for, mm. That's better. Success, profit, gain. What you want is within your grasp. That's the future. So it sounds like it really isn't far away, even though Carcer is the answer. We know why. Um, because it's not the right place in the right time, and you don't have a solid enough foundation, solid enough resources available. So that's just from the shield chart and like the minimal interpretation on the judges and the witnesses. Do we want to go ahead mm. and do the astrology chart too and put everybody in their houses or I, I don't know. You can stop right um, there and, and have an answer, you know. Yeah, I'm still getting a very jerky internet connection. If this reading my practice then is um, if this reading is not a clear answer at this point, I will dig further into all of the other meanings. Um, for example, you get east, south, north, east, north, west, and south uh, delineations for the figures. You also get the houses for the figures that you can put them into and read them like an orary chart. And depending upon the question, I will expand and dig into that if it's needed or not. Uh, this is a yes or no question. I think it's pretty clear. We asked about growth. We got imprisonment and constriction. So that's a no. But we did dig into it a little bit to find out why it's a no, what's happening, what's going on, and how that could be tweaked. And just like with any other divination, you know, you ask a question and you get an answer that is about what's going on right now. And if you go change things, then you can ask the question again and see if it works now and goes on. Um, I was thinking about maybe teaching a little um, geomancy workshop because I find a lot of people um, are interested in this, but it seems confusing at first. And I think it seems confusing because it's so simple. <laughs> it's, it seems like it should be more than this right? It should be more difficult, but it is very simple. So maybe we could get together and do a little workshop, but I will also mention that um, getting back into geomancy, I'm offering uh, geomantic readings, um, you know, ask a single question uh, by donation, because I haven't done this for a while, and I'd really like to brush up on my skills on it. Uh-oh. There we go. Um, I'd really like to brush up on my skills on it again and uh, get back to doing it regularly. So if you'd like a reading, um, it, it's any amount, whatever you think is fair. Um, and I would really appreciate a follow-up on if it was accurate, how, it, you know, how did the situation turn out, that sort of thing. You can go to my website right there on the homepage. Basically email me, make your donation through this link I have set up so I know what it is. And uh, then I'll I'll do your charts and send you back an interpretation. If anybody would be interested in that, helping me uh, hone my chops again. 
that geomancy, I think, is fairly clear. Um, you do need to have your figures. Um, as you saw me, I have to look them up in my little cheat sheet because I have not been regularly doing this for a couple of years. Um, but look them up in your little cheat sheet. There are um, bigger explanations of the definitions in John Michael Greer's book uh, that I've drawn a lot from. So simple. Oh, Lee's back, sort of. There we go. Lee's back again. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Been fine the whole week. And now, yeah. Yep. Yep. That's how it goes. Get to doing things. And there's mm -hmm. other other forms in here um, and, and ways of reading the chart. There is different operations you can do to find the secret through them. Um, just like with the I Ching where you follow the changing lines. Um, here, the way of points in geomancy, you follow the active path. And you can really trace back to the heart of a question or um, how it was all uh, developed or what's behind it. There's a lot to unpack if you want to. Mm. And I think, I think the great thing about it is, I mean, um, you know, I've just said I've got to go through Greer's book again over and over again, but just the shield itself, you start with the judge and then you start working back through the shield to find um, different aspects and relationships and things like that. And then going on to the, the astrological houses and that, that chart, I mean, that just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah, you can go as deep as you want mm. uh, with geomancy, just like with astrology. There's always more to uncover. It always goes deeper. And like I said before, I think it's because of the holographic nature of the universe. Any of these systems where you can read the time imprint, the moment, you know, mm -hmm. um, has that kind of unfoldment where you can just, you can keep opening it up. You can keep looking deeper. You can slice that hologram into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces and the whole is still there within it, which is fascinating, I think. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the one, the other thing that appeals to me is once you've got your four mothers, that's your that's your answer. You don't need, yeah. you know, you've got your answer. Then you just start taking it to pieces. Um, but you've you've asked your question, you've got your answer, and in that short period of time, and you don't have to focus on that anymore. Because I always find that kind of a a thing of you know, if you have to focus on your question for too long, you're going to start thinking about other things, and then you know, inter different interpretations come through. and So it's that really, ask a question, get your four mothers, then you've got it, you've done it, and then you can start picking it to pieces, which I think is, just appeals to me anyway. Yeah, yeah. I also like that um, this particular method of divination comes with worksheets to fill out. Mm. I enjoy filling out worksheets. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know that's, that's uh, crazy, but, you know, and capitalize on what works well, right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. And uh, coming back to something I said at the beginning, um, that everybody may have heard of. If anybody's interested in the whole knowledge, knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel or Liba Samek or Abramelin, and those are the ones 
we always talk about, but there's another system here where you can find out what your your HGA or your personal genius is. And through through Geomancy, you can find um, its planetary placement and also its name. And mm -hmm. once you've got its name, then you can pray to it. And that's the yep. whole process. That process is derived from Agrippa's method um, mm. that's in his book uh, that's used on the natal chart to find the name of your personal daimon. Yeah. So yeah. either way, um, and, you know, geomancy was also popularized because people didn't always have birth information, you know? Um, mm. Knowing exactly what time you're born is not something that everybody has access to. And that's very necessary if you want to use your natal chart to uh, divine your personal daimon. And, and personally, I wouldn't count on a rectified chart for that. Um, mm. it's, it's just not enough. Rectified charts are great. Rectification is wonderful, and we can get quite a bit out of it. But when it comes to those things that really count on the angles, that's what comes from the time. And um, it's just it's not accurate enough for me. But geomancy would be an excellent way to approach that process because you can go and you can pray. Hey, I want to know the name and how to contact my personal genius. I want to be able to to come into contact with my HDA, with my daimon. And this is a, a reliable method in order to accomplish that. Mm. So, of course, I would, you know, do that four or five times because that's the kind of person I am. I'm always going back and checking and taking the average mean of what's happening. But that is that is a process. And that process of using the natal chart, the orrery chart, the geomantic chart to derive the um, personal intelligence that travels with you um, has a long, long history mm. and uh, a lot of use behind it. Uh, it's one of those things that I um, I think everybody should do it. It was like, you know, required early on um, in many of my hermetic studies when I joined orders and uh, training groups like that, um, that get out your natal chart, figure this out, you know, because it mm. will be instrumental in your work. So that's just one of those things everyone should do, like having your um, divination method that you use, having your offering method. Um, having your basic understanding of incenses and herbs and stones and colors, you need to have that basic. Um, who is your personal angel or daimon? Who and what is their name and how do you contact them? Mm. Yeah, I think it's important to to realize that though, because as I said, I mean, when we when people come across that particular topic, it's always directed at doing the abramelin operation or doing libasomek from Crowley. Um, and it's never usually discussed any further than that. So it becomes this thing that you have to do this this magical operation for 18 months and you have to do X, Y, and Z and you're not allowed to do anything else and, you know, that's the only way you can do it. It's not. There's a lot of different ways and I think becoming aware of that becomes very important. Well, yeah. um, you know, I've always considered that one of the uh, intentional blinds that they talk about. Because mm. I went through the Abermillion operation and everything else. And yes, it was successful. But then I found out that it was a 
whole lot of rigmarole for a whole lot of something you could do in an afternoon if you had a calculator. Mm, exactly. So yeah. um, <laughs> mm. I, I, I don't know. That's one of those many things. There's lots of stuff like that in the books. And I wouldn't say that it's not talked about in other ways, that it's only this oper operation through Lubersomek or, or the Opera Merlin operation. Because I found it in many, many different places. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it was kind of a given uh, um, that if you were studying medieval magic, you'd read Agrippa. I mean, everybody has studied it of Agrippa, right? To quote but the now, Princess Bride. Uh, nowadays, how many have? Well, I mean... That's, 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 I mean, when, when we start, when I started, that was kind of a standard thing, you know, you went and read Agrippa and Francis, um, Francis Barrage. Bacon. Bacon. Uh, oh. Barrage. Barrage. Okay. Barrage, yeah. And, you know, X, Y, those books anyway. But people coming into Magical Path now, unless they're directed by a teacher who has been through that whole process, Pick up all the modern books, and there's, there's hardly any mention of that, of that type of thing anymore. Because you can't learn the path from books. I know. And you need a good classical education. I don't know how you can expect to practice a um, methodology or a system that is based on books you didn't read. Mm. I mean, that kind of seems silly to me. That's why, you know, I talk about bibliographies and that sort of thing. But why would you be a hermeticist practicing hermetic magic if you hadn't read the foundational books for that? And that because I can explain this. <laughs> Got an answer because, ready. Because various people came along who may have read books which have been read by people or written by people who have read those books. Um, who have regurgitated and then regurgitated and then regurgitated. And that's the basis of what people are getting now. But then there's no reference to this is where all of that information came from. Therefore, go back to the source and read that. It's just consuming the regurgitated. It's like a, a little a bird. <laughs> it's, it's corn. Okay? Corn is is life it is the seed of life it is the golden essence of the sun contained in it would you like mm. to dig it out a pile of repeatedly regurgitated stuff or would you like to go to the field and pick some fresh ears well it doesn't get digested properly so. <laughs> well that's why i use corn because you just talked about somebody read a book and then it was regurgitated and then it was regurgitated and then it mm. was regurgitated and you know exactly what is happening there mm. and there's still corn in the regurgitated stuff you can see it. You pick it out. How do you want to get your cord? <coughs> yeah. But that, I mean, that's, that's really what's going on at the moment. I mean, Richard I, said I've heard of a gripper, but haven't read it. It's, yeah. it's standard reading now. Now? It's always been standard well, reading. Well, it is. It's for Richard, it is. <laughs> okay. Yes. You need Agrippa. You need um, Plato. You need Aristotle. You need Lily. Um, mm. uh, you you have to read Culpepper. Uh, 
<laughs> there's these foundational things that you just have to have. I, I used to say you need to read the white goddess. I still think you need to read the white goddess, but you don't need to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything I'm, in context. I would say you also Everything need to read, read the, the Golden Bow as well, but I could never get through that book, so I'm going to say no. See, the Golden Bow, I read like the culture of the Teutons. It's a reference book where you mm. go and you look up a story and you read that story, and then you go away and you think about it for a while, you know, and, mm. and you let it develop and come to life till you can see the symbols, and then you go look up another one. And you do that again and again. And you can go in order, but um, neither one I found productive to go in order. Because mm. it's a symbolic language you're learning. It's yeah. a, a cultural deep dive. And that doesn't happen in a linear, concise fashion. It's not, you know, day 1A, day 2B, so on and so forth. It's random things that happen to you and you're bombarded and you're reshaped through that process. And if you can't take away the great underlying cultural currents that are present in books like that, then you'll just lose them. They must be um, understood in comparison. Uh, most good learning is understood in comparison, but you have to compare it to your culture and to your life and to what you're experiencing and then take it and like, you know, mold it around and fit it into your worldview and experience it. And then it's not some dense thinky thing. It's something you've experienced and understand, and it becomes a foundation, a mm. brick in your learning, and you can build your temple. Yeah. John said, read Agrippa Lee right now. Shame on you. I've read it. Actually, I actually, <laughs> want to re I actually need to reread it. It was a long time ago. Richard hasn't yeah. read it. So Richard's going to be... It's okay, Richard. I uh, said my reading list is already so long. The first three books are only about 900 pages. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Agrippa is not a crazy ass dense read uh, like Golden Bow is. So there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of just here's the operation in it. And really, um, you'll skim through those unless you have an application for them. You just kind of make a note over to the side this is for this, this is for this. Because if you don't have an application for it at the time, it's. It's like reading a recipe for something you're never going to cook. You know, you're not going to remember any of that stuff. But if you want to make that thing, if you want to do that operation, if you want to engage in that way, then you'll go look up that recipe that you read that one time. Mm. So. Yeah. Although talking about regurgitation and regurgitations, I think, um, remember correct, correctly, Francis Barrett's uh, The Magus was very much that. That was mm -hmm. a compilation yeah. of a variety of Agrippa. Uh, I can't remember the other names now. It was, yeah. yeah. I mean, there is nothing wrong with starting with regurgitations. We all get pointed to where we get pointed when we start. We all have, you know, that first book, that first thing. But you want to trace it back. You want to find out where it came from. And you want to see how it changed and developed it's not always oldest is best but if it has roots in the past you should be aware of that because that's the context through which it's developing that's mm. the context through which it's coming into being you know knowing that um the writing on a field chart is right to left probably because it originally came from the persian empire and arabic speaking countries that's mm. important 
you know, and all those little things. Context is so important. So important. Yeah. And I, I wish I had had the context for um, the white goddess quite some time before I did. But, you know, we all read things when we can read things and research things when we can research things. And frankly, back in, in the day, in the 80s and 90s, the information just wasn't even available. Yeah. It didn't matter how hard you looked. We didn't have it at the time. So yeah. now that we're living in, in the age of information and the amazing access to information, you know, we need to, we need to take advantage of that. Yeah, it's... Also, also, back in the day, there was a level of naivety. Oh, yeah. You know, we had an elder say, the white goddess is the book. Read it. Well, it is the I mean, truth. that wasn't just in the occult. You know, mm. as a kid, you would ask somebody, some adult in your family something, and they'd give you an answer. And you'd just carry around this wrong fucking answer for 20 years until someday somebody blew your mind. And you found the evidence that it was totally wrong or didn't make any sense or whatever. And then your worldview falls apart. That's a common <laughs> experience for those of us who, you know, lived in the 20th century. That's my <laughs> fond of reminding me. The dinosaurs. <laughs> it, was just, it was just the way information was. Um, mm. and, and even sometimes you'd go to try and look stuff up. But, you know, if your resource was the Encyclopedia Britannica, <laughs> you know. It was that was about as reliable as Aunt Marge. Um, so, plus, you know, a heavy dose of colonialism and, and Eurocentrism to add mm. on to things. So, I, I'm not trying to shame anybody for not having read it. What I am saying is that scholarship, the necessary um, process of discernment, is sorely lacking in our pagan, heathen uh, craft communities. And that's something that I think we really must bring back. My process of discernment involves tracing all of that back, reading source material, in order to practice practices that are based on it. But if your magic is, um, you know, good old-fashioned traditional witchcraft that is much more concerned about the quality of the mud than what Agrippa said to do on the second Tuesday when the moon is full, you better know about the quality of that mud. Mm. You know, know your stuff, whatever that is, wherever you are. Know your sources and know them very, very well. Um, mm. But everybody doesn't have to be in the same stream. We're all, we're all working the same thing. We're all working with magic. We're all working with fate, you know. But um, build a solid foundation for wherever you are. And it takes a little while when you're new. You got to swim around and try different things. You, you got to sample different stuff. Find what sparks your passion. Find that everybody's going to have that experience at some point of that thing that calls you home, where you just you've been you've been trying this and trying that, reading this book and reading that book, and suddenly you pick up something and you're like, "This, this is it. This is the feeling." That's mm. where you go dig deep. That's where you go find your sources. That's where you you trace its way back and. Um, don't rely on finding the corn in the regurgitation, even though that's probably where you find the shiny gold thing the first time. Yeah. Um, well, geomancy after 30 years, I mean, that's mine. So, yeah. Uh, John said, brilliant. Uh, oldest is not best, but understanding context adds depth. 
Buckland isn't as important as it was because now we have Miller, but understanding how it happened improves understanding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In order to understand it, you know, Jason Miller, you need to understand Raymond Buckland. And for Raymond Buckland, you need to understand Gerald Gardner and Doreen Valiente and Alistair Crowley and what was happening there. And also um, Roy Bowers. But in order to understand them, you need to go back further and understand, you know, what they were drawing on. And all the, the road is long and deep and there's a lot of roads mm. um, and context and that wide reading within your area is what gives you the ability for discernment. But if you never know that there is a plant that makes corn, you will only ever find it in the piles of regurgitation. Mm. You don't even know that you can find it anywhere else. And that's, I'm afraid that's something that has happened in the dark ages of the craft, of the modern craft, the 1980s. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's worse now, actually. And that, that's, that's the terrible thing, is we have the resources to be able to delve into those, you know, dig deep into what the sources are. But mm -hmm. people are just taking what they've got now because that gives them all the information they need. But it's regurgitations of all these other sources. Um, mm -hmm. But they don't need to go look at that because now they've got it. Um, and that's, that's what's happening now. It's, it's yeah. a consumer society, and we know we... People just want to add water and instant coffee. True, true. And and we are not, uh, you know, magically free of the influences of the outside world mm. and the tides of information. I mean, the internet has done wonderful and terrible things for the craft and mm. for magic in general. Um, but so has everything else. Uh, the internet has done wonderful and terrible things to our society. And, you know, I, I, I talk about this a lot. You need to read this. You need to read that. You need to do this study. Um, I've had people come to me and, and say they want to study astrology. And I'm, I'm like, all right, you know, get you a notebook. And, and on the first page, um, you know, you need to uh, keep track of your thousand charts. And they're always like, oh, my God, a thousand charts. I'm like, you're really not going to understand things until you've done it a lot. A thousand is a good benchmark for a lot. It seems so daunting, but it's not. It's just the process by which you develop skill, the process right. by which you develop knowledge, you know, and, and, and that's comparable no matter what we're talking about. You want to be a competent musician? Do a thousand workings. Do a thousand spells. But then you can reliably say you're a competent magician. Sure. Yeah. It, it's a reasonable way to do that. And you can still make cornmeal out of the corn that you find just wash it off clean it up you got to be able to figure out what's corn and what's not what's gold and what's the other stuff in the pile uh, but the only way you do that is is through discernment is through being widely read widely exposed um, and, and frankly anybody who tells you differently run yeah. Anybody who says my way is the one way, I hold the only secrets, you can only find whatever through me, that's a cult. That's dangerous. Mm. You know, um, a cult, not a cult. Um, 
<laughs> very, very similar. But mm. so and information overload is absolutely a thing. There is a digestion process involved in learning anything. You gotta you gotta practice and then you gotta let it lie fallow so that it can percolate around inside of you, so that you can have experiences with it, so that it can speak back to you. Mm. And, and that's why, you know, so many magicians are, are very focused on finding the name of their personal diamond, connecting with the Akashic records, um, finding a way to go back in the past and connect with the past selves, because it becomes really obvious really quick. You can't do all this in one lifetime. Mm. So magicians tend to be um, concerned about how to do it in multiple lifetimes as quickly as possible. <laughs> All right. Um, no more questions in the chat, so shall we bring this to an end? I don't know what we're doing next week. I don't uh, think we decided. Uh, we'll make it a surprise. I haven't even checked load shedding schedules or anything like that, so I have to do that as well. So next week's a surprise. There we go. Surprise! Um, right, so we'll... Next week's Friday the 13th in October. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Spooky. Spooky. Spooky, yeah. spooky. Okay, so hopefully we'll see everybody next week with something. Join us in Discord for more chats. Uh, can you do pendulums? Yes, we'll definitely do pendulums. I think we spoke about pendulums previously, but we can do it again. Um, no, we, we have it on our list to do, but we haven't done it yet. Okay. So it's so on the list. Did, yeah, we did scrying, we did tarot, and now we've done geomancy, and we still have um, bones and sticks and pendulums and spirit boards and table tapping. I'm sure we can find some others as well. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you for joining. Thank you for the for the chat and the questions and the comments. And see you around. Bye. Bye, Bye. Thank you for joining us in the Wildwood. Meet us again next week for another episode. And don't forget to check out our website at intothewildwood.com. That's Wildwood with a Y. And if you would like to support us, you can leave a donation on the website.